The only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex. Built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design and interchangeable rock-solid clamp, nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primrose. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is episode 107. It's your boy East Coast Trev and this is Steve. I'm excited about this episode, honestly. It's a little bit different than normal episodes, right? It's more of an informative one that we feel is very necessary for everybody to listen to. Um, it's more, uh, it's, it's, it's a tree stand safety. It's a really cool story. We kind of get in it with a really good friend and and supporter and listener of the podcast. He was originally a WCB guy, still is, but now kind of wanted to come and hang out with us here on the Outdoor Drive, bro. What do you think about it? Uh, it's it's always a good point to kick across. You know, this time of year, everyone is easing into the hunting season. And about the time this drops in podcast land, everyone's going to be, you know, neck deep, really getting out into the tree. And you can't emphasize safety enough. So this situation is very rough and i don't wish it on anyone so take what he says to heart and i think it's something that we don't really talk about a lot everybody's kind of in the hype of going out and hunting and chasing bucks and this that and the other thing and we kind of don't sit back and relax and kind of think about these things until there's a bad tragic thing that happens constantly so we felt that it was necessary to talk with kev on this one and kind of tear it up and kind of see what the situation that he went through. We kind of passed around a couple of stories and I think they're ones that needs to be heard. For sure, man. You know, good conversation, good guy, horrible luck, horrible situation, but use it as a launching point. It turned around to be a good thing for him now. I mean, all the things he's been through and stuff, he kind of thinks differently and, and and like I said, you guys listen, learn from it. Go check your stands, check your gear, be familiar with your gear, use proper safety gear. If the gear's old and worn, replace it. Mm-hmm. It's not a gimmick. It's there for your health. One, one thing we didn't talk about was climbing tree stands and the, some of the safety things that go along with climbing tree stands because that's probably, you know, if you don't have a hanging stand or a ladder stand, one of the things that a lot of people do use is climbing stands. And there's a couple of things that are kind of important. One thing that I kind of learned, and I'll just I'll shoot down through it real quick, um climbing tree stands like the summit climbing tree stands 
what I used to do is I used to Dremel out the back of the teeth and sharpen them up so that they would bite into the tree instead of being rounded like they are right. and, and sharpen those things up. The other thing I used to do a lot of is when I was up in the tree, I would, I know this is, you know, for you public guys, whatever. Um, even when I was on public land, I didn't care. My safety was way more important than anything else. Um, what I would do is a screw and peg. When I got to the destination where I wanted to go up in the tree, I would literally on the top uh, rung that goes around the back of the belt, I would literally twist in a climbing tree peg so that it couldn't get down any further. Because a lot of times when you go to stand up, what happens? You bump the top of the tree stand, it folds backwards, and then it will fall down. I've had it happen a million and one times. The other thing is attach the string from the top to the bottom yes. on a climbing tree stand. There's a lot of things that, you know, just think of those things, man. Check those straps. You know, check the seats. I mean, it's it's just a belt. It's a weaving belt. Um, you know, it's it's it takes a couple extra minutes or spend a couple extra dollars to kind of just go above and beyond because it you might not be as lucky as Kevin was. So just pay attention to those things because it's very important, man. We all want you to be here haunting. We want to see your stories. We want to see the good stories, not the bad ones. We want to see your successes, not your failures. Definitely. Well, talking about stories, you want to hear what's going on in the world? Yeah, let's hear about it. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off in Florida and an update on the proposed Goliath grouper season. The proposal is one step closer to final adoption after the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Com- uh, Commission unanimous- unanimously approved a draft rule change that would allow regulated harvest for the first time since 1990. The proposal is subject to modification before the final approval. The proposal would establish a three-month season from March 1st through May 31st, and 200 permits would be issued via lottery and slot rules would allow only fish between 20 inches and 36 inches to be harvested. The proposed cost would be a $10 fee for the lottery and a $500 permit fee, and permit holders must agree to submit harvest data on their catch to the state. Changes were requested by public comment at the commission meeting, including adding Martin County waters to the no harvest zone, reducing the permit fee, and adjusting the minimum harvest size to 22 or 24 inches. Those will be considered at the commission's next meeting in March of 2022, where if the commission grants final approval, the season could begin as early as 2023. Now an update from New York, where earlier this year, the state made changes to allow 12 and 13 year olds to hunt large game, but individual counties had the option to allow or disallow the change. Erie County has officially opted out of allowing the 12 and 13 year olds to hunt big game stating there's an inherent danger allowing 12 and 13 year olds to hunt which i think is complete bs uh but i guess can be expected uh when you give the option to uh the individual counties but on the upside so far 49 out of the 56 counties in new york have adopted the new age policy so good opportunity there for the youngsters to get involved uh now i'd like to thank brad jarvis for sending this one in uh we go to vermont where the Fish and Wildlife Department has confirmed EHD for the first time in the state. The state has said that the current and suspected cases of EHD have been confirmed in Castleton and West Haven, which are likely related to the more widespread outbreaks occurring in neighboring New York, where there have been confirmed cases in counties bordering Vermont. 
So those in Vermont, be on the lookout for any deer suspected of dying from EHD and be sure to report any of those findings to the Fish and Wildlife Department. Uh, now to Oregon, where the Department of Fish and Wildlife has lifted all size limits, daily limits, and gear limits for all species in Maller Reservoir starting Monday and running through December 31st of this year. This is due to biologists' concern about winter fish kill in the reservoir. Um, the reservoir's low water conditions uh, and past experiences uh, have seen fish kills under these circumstances. So Fish and Wildlife is encouraging anglers to keep any fish caught because it will improve the likelihood of survival of fish that remain in the reservoir over the winter. And the state also intends to restock the reservoir in the spring. Lastly, we're going to stop in Minnesota where the DNR has issued an emergency rule that temporarily prohibits the importation and movement of farmed white-tailed deer into and within Minnesota. The rule is effective as of October 11th. Uh, the action is in response to a CWD positive farm in Wisconsin, which shipped 387 deer to farms in seven states, including five deer to three farms in Minnesota. Uh, two of those deer were shipped back to Wisconsin, uh, the other three were sent to a farm in Minnesota, two of which have been killed and tested negative for CWD. The third is still alive, and the owner is awaiting payment prior to making the animal available for testing. Uh, the farm is under quarantine until that does happen, uh, and the temporary ban will provide time for the agencies to track the movement of the deer uh, from the infective farm in Wisconsin and understand the risk to other herds, uh, whether in the state or outside the state. So... Um, probably more to come on that, but for now, complete temporary ban. Uh, I don't know how this affects hunting at any of these types of farms or high fence uh, ranches, so if anyone has any information on that, it greatly be appreciated. Uh, thanks to everyone that's sending stuff in. Keep it coming in. Um, with that, you always know where to find me, Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, one thing I do want to say, guys, if you guys haven't already, uh, go over and subscribe to our YouTube page. We finally cracked our 500 subscribers. Always looking for more subscribers. It only helps out us, and it helps you guys get better content, to be honest. Um, if not, get on to, uh, Apple and uh, give us a five-star review, even if it's a shitty one. At least it's a five-star review. Give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want. Um, five-star shitty kind of review. Cool. It works. Five-star shitty Well, I'm in on that, man. Well... <laughs> Well, let's thank those guys real quick. Let's get in with Kev because let's do this sooner than later, right? Yeah, man. Go ahead and roll through them right. and let's jump in. All right. Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE25. Save yourself 25%. Keep your eyes open. If you guys aren't on this Instagram or Facebook, a lot of big changes, a lot of things coming down the pipe. We're super excited for him. We'll be podcasting with him very soon to release some of the good things that are going on. Uh, new Air Archery, NewAirArchery.com. That's where we get our Zeus broadheads. They are the official broadhead of the Outdoor Drive podcast. Also, Nor'easter Game Calls. Nor'easter Game Calls, get them in close. Um, he makes our custom grunt tubes. It's about that time of the year. We're getting in here. We're about to be, you know, the heart of the rut soon. Now's the time to get on Nor'easter Game Calls and order your custom grunt tube. Man, you want them. I promise you, you want them and you need them. Also, Latitude Outdoors, latitudeoutdoors.com for your Method 2 saddle. The best in the business, if you ask me. The most comfortable one that there is, latitudeoutdoors.com. All right. Well, now that we got the uh, the business wrapped up and everything's good there, 
I guess we could let everyone quit listening to us and let them hear something a little more serious. All right, we're back on the phone with Kevin Dye. What's up, Kev? How are you, buddy? What's going on, man? Appreciate you taking the time to join us on this podcast on this fine evening on your night off. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. You got a night off during deer season and you're wasting it with us? Well, you know, it is early. <laughs> gotcha. It's not it's not all all wasted night. No, no. Not it was nice. Day. I got to spend some time with the boys. You know, I hadn't seen them since last week sometime. <laughs> Just so busy grinding, waiting, waiting for that time to get out in the woods, right? Well, you know. That's the way it goes. Well, man, why don't we get this thing underway? We'll turn this key. We'll hit it in overdrive. Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do, bro? Uh, yeah, my name is Kevin Dye. I'm a uh, plant maintenance mechanic for Corning Incorporated. I live in Bath, New York, and I basically, you know, I've been married for 10 years now. We got two little boys, and I spend most of my time working or hanging out with them or, you know, trying to get on some of these deer around here. Hell yeah, man. Are you in the Adirondack area? No, we're in. I'm in the Finger Lakes area. In the Finger Lakes. Oh, there's even bigger deer in the Finger Lakes area. Don't. No, no there ain't. No, there <laughs> are not. He's shaking his head. No. There's you no big deer here. Who are you lying to? <laughs> yeah, I hunt Steuben County. It's supposedly it's the best county in New York State, but I mean, it's New York State, so right. It's. What what is the hunting like? Why don't you paint the picture? Because always we we talk about the East Coast over the Midwest and stuff like that. But why don't you paint the picture, kind of where it is, especially for you being north on in the East Coast or in New England? Well, I mean, it's we're it's a pretty big. It used to be a big dairy farm area, so there's still a lot of ag. It's just it's kind of dying out, you know, because most farming is around here. Um, you know, the farmers get older and once they kick the bucket, you know, nobody wants to have anything to do with it. So the farms get sold off and stuff like that. But yeah, there's still a lot of big ag. The the one farm we hunt is, uh, I think it's like right around 200 acres. But yeah, he grows um, seed corn, basically. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of farmland, um, steep hills and valleys and gullies and stuff like that. It definitely makes things a little bit tougher, especially having ag and and the mountains. Yeah, I mean, we still get you get your sections of big woods, you know. Like if you go to state land, that's all it is. It's just big woods. It's not like out west where you see like in Iowa and stuff like that. Their public land has crops on it. And yeah, no, we don't. No. <laughs> public <laughs> land is is woods. <laughs> big woods, man. Yeah, thick thick woods usually. You know, it just makes things so much tougher. Like I, I, a lot of people don't understand it. Like they talk like, you know, the Midwest guys, they talk about how like, Oh, we got up on this Oak flat, but their Oak flat might be like 10 acres, which like for us is like a couple hundred acres, right? right. Like some of this exactly. big parcels of land could be huge, you know, before it gets into some type of egg. So you really have to kind of focus on different types of areas to hunt. Yeah, there's a lot of like hedgerows and transition stuff like that. Like if you can key in on those features or if you put in the work and you know you can get good leases and stuff like that, you can you can have good hunting around here. Just it just takes time. I think one of the best things about being on the East Coast too is like up by you. Like the waterfowl hunting's phenomenal, the bear hunting, 
the deer. I mean, you have a little bit of everything up there. Yeah, I mean, we the bear hunting thing that that used to be not so popular. Um, actually, when I first started hunting, you could only hunt bear if you were on a certain side of the highway that basically splits our our county pretty much. And uh, but they, you know, the the bear numbers are just coming up, and it's kind of cool. I haven't really had a lot of chances at bear, so I think I've only seen like two or three out in the woods, really. That's crazy, man. And you can kind of have the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah, the waterfowl, that that's pretty popular around here because of the lakes and stuff like that. There's so much water around here. And then the snow goose, that takes you all the way through March sometimes. I mean, it can be. Yeah, I got a couple crazy. buddies that are pretty big into waterfowl hunting. Um, my one friend, uh, Keegan, he, got, he was kind of famous last year. Or was it last year? I think it was last year. He was hunting kind of like down in the city where he could he could legally be there but he got like called in man in kayak shooting geese from the river it was it was really funny it was really? a big joke to all of us yeah <laughs> is that isn't there an area near you that's like some type of like fort or whatever that has a ton of albino deer what is that area do you know about that area um i believe that's fort drum and that's that's further like uh yeah, that's, east. that's up Watertown way yeah and don't get I, caught hunting there if you're not going through the base yeah no. you, you might find you yourself in the back side of the firing ranges not a good <laughs> idea oh it's still an active fort oh, oh yeah yeah that's yeah, that's, that's, that's home of the 10th that's mountain where they do yeah that, they that, do their uh cold weather training there i believe too yeah oh, that's uh, crazy. i've got yeah. a little bit of history with that place so very familiar Some yeah, they, do, they do mountain training there too right yeah do all of our yeah. uh, we did our mountain warfare package there we do our light urban combat missions training there um i mean there's a plethora of stuff that goes on at fort drum it is a very active both force com and tradoc facility so meaning you have active combat forces there as well as combat forces go there to train for specialty things and it's miserable when it gets cold and nasty it's cold and nasty Oh yeah, it, it's there's a reason it's the home of the mountain warfare. So. Well, the, you have the the great the Great Lakes the the snow effect from the Great Lakes. Oh yeah, I and mean, it gets pretty gnarly up there. Yeah, that yeah, was our division get, headquarters. So they get blasted up there with snow. That's crazy, man. Yeah, don't get caught well, shooting in there. <laughs> well, let's kind of get down to business, man, because this has kind of been one of the special episodes one that i've been thinking about for quite some time now is is like the seat the the tree sand tree, i can't even talk right now trees and safety thank you kev appreciate it buddy um because rolling into season man like you've kind of had a, a tragic thing that kind of happened to you um why don't you kind of go through what happened to you and then we can kind of branch off of that to kind of go on with tree stand safety yeah um so basically um two years ago this november um i was i went out hunting um i went to a tree stand that wasn't mine <clears throat> and uh you know i figured it was just a ladder stand and you know stuff like that i felt pretty comfortable and you know i was kind of getting lazy about wearing my harness and i got there and it was a, a hang on so uh, you know I didn't want to wuss out and, uh, you know, have to deal with the getting picked on about that. So I figured out, oh, well, I'll just climb it. I'll be all right. 
What was it like a name. buddy's years or something? It was my my dad's. Oh, okay. My dad's hang on. Yeah. So I got up in it, uh, got all situated and stuff, and you know I just sat there a little bit and I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't really, I'm not digging this. I think I'm gonna get down. And uh, I had turned her. I was standing up facing the tree. I was about to start sending down all my gear, and uh, both cables broke on the stand. And you know, as soon as I kind of, I, I heard the noise that's you know kind of when it registered what was really going on i mean it happened so fast just a blink of an eye really um yeah i came down i i landed with uh pretty much my feet flat i can i went down standing up basically so when i hit the ground you know my body all compressed down and i went ass over teacups and um you know i ended up fracturing four vertebrae i didn't know that at the time you know i kind of it all just happened so fast and it fucking hurt. <laughs> it felt like, I uh, imagine. Yeah. It was all, all the pain was just in my pelvis area. I, uh, kind of laid there flopping, screaming and hollering for a little bit before I kind of got my wits about me. And, uh, I realized pretty quick that my legs were not working. So I started making the phone calls, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, they came and, uh, they came and pulled me out of the woods and I got a nice little helicopter ride. And, uh, I, I didn't know how bad it was really, I guess. I mean, until a doctor flat out told me, you know, you fractured four vertebrae in your back. And if you don't have surgery, pretty much you're going to be paralyzed from the waist down. So, you know, <laughs> surgery wow. was Monday morning. Um, yeah. And I spent 21 days in the hospital. In the harder rut. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, luckily, I fucking tagged out three days or five days before that. I'd shot my buck. Oh. I was just out trying to get another doe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's take it back a little bit, man. Like, So what kind of like went through your mind as this all happened? Like you laid there, you couldn't move your legs. Like – was there like a survival mode kind of that went over you? Like that you're lucky that you had your phone close to you. Like what kind yeah. of like went through your mind and like, yeah, like I said, I, you know, your initial reaction after you, I realized I couldn't fucking move my legs. I, I started screaming because I knew people, there was a couple of guys that were hunting not too far away, you know, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't even thinking about using my phone yet. So I was just screaming for help. Um, and then of course I, luckily I kept my hoodie or my phone in my hoodie pocket mm -hmm. uh, just in case something like this happened. Of course it did, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so I had my phone, thank God. And I called my parents and my parents lived pretty much, you know, I don't know, five minutes away from where I was. Mm -hmm. So they flew right up there. But yeah, I mean, that, uh, that, uh, feeling of, you know, just, holy shit, my legs don't work right now was, uh, that was pretty intense. That's nuts. So like, literally it's like that with the way that I'm envisioning it and correct me if I'm wrong, like you're standing there and literally the floor dropped out from underneath yes. you. Yep. Like just literally like your door. Yep. You're, and it's like gone. the hangman's gallows. Yep. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> wow, oh, man. Backwards. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. So the straps actually broke. Was it, was it like an older stand that had been there? or? Yeah, yeah. it was an older stand. The, the steel cables that hold the, the bottom of the platform, you know, those those are what popped. And that's that's what I heard was that noise, that pop. You know? but, but that's not something that, like, we would normally safety check or any. That's just like yeah, a, you, know, well, you yeah. would think steel cable. Yeah, right. You know, you would yeah. hope. Now, well, <laughs> yeah. was it the cable itself that broke, or the connection to the stand? So it was like at the at the end where it was connected, like where the like the seal tight or whatever you want to call it, like the that coating they put over them to gotcha. kind of protect it. Yeah, that's where they'd snap. You know. So, so you know. a little bit of water would have gotten in there and kind of rusted the ends there at the crimping. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was just a thing. It was just it just happened. You know. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you buy Where's a lottery ticket after? No. <laughs> no. Hell no. I got terrible luck. <laughs> yeah. Had he done this and nothing happened out of it, I would have told him to get a ticket. But Well, you know, I, I did get lucky, you know, because um, I fractured four vertebrae. Um, the three, three of the vertebrae that broke, I mean, they weren't so bad. Um, the one was a burst fracture, and that was – that was really bad L3. And that's where, you know, a lot of important stuff, uh, like certain parts of your body are controlled through your spinal cord and like different areas of your spinal cord. So L3 is like your knees, your kidneys, and like all your lower half extremities, basically from what I'm understanding. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had surgery. Um, and of course, you know, my biggest question was, I gotta get fucking. I'm a working man. I gotta get back to work. I flat right. on asked the doctors, you know, how how long are you gonna? How long do you think this is gonna take for me to get? And uh, I had a, the surgeon basically flat out say, "Well, you know, you're you're never gonna wrench again. You'll never go back to doing what you did before." And, All right. Well, <clears throat> five days later, I'm up fucking walking. Let's go. Tell me I can't. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hell yes. And you were just back at it. Well, I was off work for three months, but right. I went right back to my old job. Yeah. I'm a mechanic still, you know. Still Fuck doing it today. <laughs> do, you, do you have any problems with your back? Like, I mean, oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I bet I got, you it's probably going to be. Yeah, I've got um, two rods and six screws in my back still, you know. Jesus, and you know, last year at this time, you know, when we, I was getting back into hunting, you know, I could barely walk a couple hundred yards without having to stop, take a break. Wow. Did you have like some type of like PTSD about getting in a tree stand or anything like that? Like, was it a tough thing for you to? Well, I mean, I'm not, I won't, I won't ever get into a uh, hang on ever again. Just mm -hmm. yeah, out of principle. Not gonna, yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen again. I don't care if I have harness on. I don't even want to take the chance. You know what I mean? I mean, it can happen with any tree stand, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was a little nervous about getting in the stand the first time. But a ladder stand, it's not really that. It's it's kind of crazy to me because I've definitely been in some sketchy situations on some sketchy tree stands. Yeah, I was going like, to say some sketchy tree stands. <laughs> Yeah, like I, there's a couple old guys where I hunt here that they have 
old tree stands in the woods. They're like, oh, Trev, just go up there. And like the straps are old. Like, and yeah, you're just when's like, when's the last time you looked whatever. at this thing? Well, someone yeah. said it last year. Well, that's not quite like, gonna co- gonna cut it. Oh man, that's nuts, dude. I actually I have a pretty crazy story. Um, a really good friend of mine, uh, we call him Caddy Cowboy, and we hunted a property together. He had just shot a deer, and I had stayed home. We had lived together at the time. And he I get a phone call after he shoots his deer, and he's like, All right, man, I'm on my way home. Get ready, you know, in the in the garage. Let's uh We'll, we'll skin this up, get it quartered, put it in. We had a little fridge or whatever. And uh, half hour goes by, hour goes by, hour and a half goes by. I'm like, dude, where the frig is Matt? I'm like, no, nothing. I tried calling him, no answer. Finally, I end up getting a hold of him. I'm like, Matt, where are you and what happened? Like, where where have you been, dude? Are you on your way home yet? He's like, You'll never guess what happened. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I need you to f- meet me at the hospital. And I'm like, what? He's like, I went to go set a stand up closer to the house. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but when he was setting the stand, he didn't, he wasn't wearing a harness. He got up there. He had strapped it in, I think one strap and kind of like the same thing, the false door. And it kind of dropped out on him. I think like the seat shifted or something. And the literally the same exact thing. Well, he tried hugging onto the tree and he has the the sticks, like the V-notch sticks. They kind of like on a little bit of an angle. He ends up catching one in the mm. bottom of his of his mouth. And now he's got the peg sticking into his mouth and it caught himself. But he didn't know that at the time. He thought he had a laceration on his arm. And that's what it was that because it because the, the cleat had caught his arm. He's like, Trev, I don't feel so good, man. I got a little bit of bump on my forehead and I got a cut on my arm. And he's like, I need you to meet me at the hospital. The cut on my arm's pretty bad. He goes, he goes, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, okay, just stay on the phone with me. But like, bro, can you just wait and I'll just meet you there? He's like, no, I'm going to drive to the hospital. Meet me at the hospital. So I end up driving to the hospital, meeting him there. And he gets out of the car, man. And he's almost, he's like completely pale white. And I look underneath his chin, dude. And the thing literally went right through the center of his chin, like missed his jugular by inches. And he's got a big laceration on his arm, this, that, and the other thing. So we put him in a wheelchair and we get him inside and they ended up having to stitch him up his arm and his, and his, and his chin. But same thing, had no idea, just went, hung a stand, weird, wasn't wearing a harness all by himself in the middle of the woods, dragged himself out of the woods. Like you never know when something like this is going to happen, man. I mean, it could have been way worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I got, I got so lucky because I think, um, one of the big things that helped me was, is I wasn't too far in. I was able to, people got to me pretty quick. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, my, my dad's hunting buddy is a first responder and he was, that's who was hunting close by. So oh. right after my, I called my dad, I'm pretty sure he called him. And I think they were, he was there, right there. I don't know, 15 minutes after. That's awesome, you know? man. Yeah. And you know, they got me out of the woods you know, pretty quick. I think it was only probably, I don't know, 45 minutes till I was in the helicopter. That's actually very impressive. Yeah, they did a great job. They, they, uh, they got right to me, had me on a backboard. They put me in the back of a, some type of side-by-side or something and drove me up to the helicopter. There's a helicopter pad. Wasn't too far from there. They landed the, the bird real close and everything. So, you know, that was a, a perfect storm for a bad situation. 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> do, I mean, do you think that it could have been different if you weren't that close? Like, was time something that, you know what I'm saying? Like, was time a big deal in the situation? Like, if it had been longer or could have made it worse? If, yeah, if I would have, like, tried to move around more and stuff like that, you know, cause, you know, if you're way deep in the woods or something else happened, you know, I would. You yeah, never know what, what if you didn't have done. service. Yeah. You know, I would have laid there all until, you know, somebody come look for me, basically. Yep. And I think you, hear, you hear stories of people that get hurt in the woods and they just they fight to live and crawl out. And that's that's some badass shit right there. You know, that tapping into that world to survive. That's that's pretty intense. I think that that's why it's so important to always let somebody know where you're hunting. Yeah. For that, for that simple reason, like if I'm not home at X amount of time, like somebody come looking for me or whatever the case may be, like I, there's always, I don't care if it's Steven, if I send him a pin and say, Hey man, I'm over here, I, even though he's in Virginia, like just send somebody a pin so that if somebody knows that they haven't heard from you by the time they got out, then, you know, they can put out a bolo and anyone with the information can say, Hey, I've got a pin. This is where he said he was go. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then everybody knows what the heck is going on. Yeah. So last year I didn't hunt from the, the tree stands at all. I stayed on the ground last year. And uh, now this year I'm getting back in the tree. I've, uh, I've been using my hunt stand. You know, you can, you can trace your steps with that. I, I'll get in the stand, take a screenshot of my location, basically, and send it to the old lady. This is where I'm at. I'm in safe, you know. And then when I get down, I send her a text and let her know that I'm down, you know, just, I don't want to put her through that again. You know, that was, that was awful. And, you know, having her here, you know, to take care of me, she was, she was able to, to really help me along, along a lot. You know, so I couldn't so do anything for myself for the longest time, you know? Oh yeah. I, <laughs> I was walking I totally with a cane. And, yeah. So she, uh, she, she's a saint. So looking back, what would you have done having known what would you have done differently you know as far as preparation and safety wear your harness every time that's the biggest thing you know even if if you are going to a stand like you can you can buy the extra safety hookups you can you know as long as you have your safety equipment with you you know you're going to be safe now would you would you go to the extent of be of adding in you know check your straps yearly or bi yearly or oh yeah yeah tree stand you know do your do your tree stand checks you know make sure you look at them climb up in them you know make sure you're trapped in. in obviously <laughs> tie in before you jump <laughs> shake on them it. around a little bit you know <laughs> check your straps just yeah and for the most part you know everybody we we're we we're all we thought we were pretty good about checking our stands and stuff like that and it's just yeah, but again, that goes back to that thing. whole steel cable situation. I mean, you would, you just, you'd look at a ratchet strap and you think, okay, you know, that thing looks like it's getting a little old. Let's replace it. But you can't really look at steel yeah. and judge if yeah. it's going to break. Yeah. I mean, and back then, I mean, juice, I was probably 330 on the hoof. You know, I was a big guy, you know, I still am a pretty big guy, but. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, the stands are only rated for so much for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially after a little wear and tear from the from Mother Nature, and then yeah, and then and us big guys get on top of them, and then what happens? You know, the cables break. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, right? Literally, <laughs> it's it funny. Though, I have a buddy of mine um, that literally will go out scouting, and he literally he finds a tree stand, and this is like the worst thing, right? So, like, we'll be out scouting in the off season on public land and he'll see his tree stand and he's got to get up it and see what they're looking at. And I say to him all the time, like, bro, are you out of your mind? You don't know how long that thing's been there. You have no idea if the person knows how to set up a tree stand, if anyone's ever sat in that tree stand. I mean, look, I mean, it's a prime example, especially, you know, I, heaven forbid something else happens. He's, we ain't wearing a harness. We're shed hunting, you know, like, right. come on. You know, and that's a that's a dangerous, dangerous situation. I mean, you really it's not something to mess around with, honestly. I mean, it wasn't a, a tree stand um, problem, but I had a problem with a regular ladder. I was a cable guy for a little bit of time and I went up a ladder onto the side of a building, got down, went to get my tools, turned around, went back up the ladder and the safety mechanism on the where the it goes into the um, the rungs there. The thing that snaps on, well, it's like a tray, and the tray ended up snapping when I went back up the ladder, and I fell off the ladder at, like, 15 feet, and I ended up falling and shattering my wrist. I landed down on my wrist. I mean, my back was a little bit tweaked, but not nothing to the extent of yours. I had to have emergency surgery on my hand, and they had to reconstruct my wrist and so on and so forth, but it's one in the – I mean, obviously, you can't change that. You're not wearing a safety harness on the side of a building, but – it's just it just goes to show that anything could happen, man. Like you never know. And if you can have those precautions of wearing a harness or a, a lifeline from the base of the tree to the top. I mean, one of the most dangerous times in a tree stand is a transition from the steps over onto the platform. I mean, how many times have you gone into a, a tree stand when it's I remember my dad would always talk about it when it's dewy and we would break off and I would go down my way and he would go down his. He'd be like, Trev, be a little slower today pay attention when you're going from your steps onto your thing, because it's going to be a little bit slippery. Make sure that you brush all the leaves off of the, off of the deck of the tree stand. Make sure you, you get all that stuff out of the way and then move on to get onto the tree stand. Because I mean, even as simple of having those leaves on the, on the platform, you you could slip. Yeah. You know, it's just all those things. I mean, it can get hairy pretty quickly and, and not, a lot of people don't take the precautions that we may now now take nowadays. You know, when I was a kid, I never did none of that stuff, oh, yeah. man. Well, we were invincible back then, and you didn't have, you know, social media and things like that, that every time this happens, it gets put out in every forum and every space and every group and every page, oh, someone else fell because they didn't use any safety gear. Now we're far more aware of it, and I think it's starting to spread. People are going up into trees and they're a little more hesitant than they used to be just because they know that, Hey, I know the guy in the next County over that's paralyzed. Yeah. You know, so it has, yeah. uh, for once social media has done something good. <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy. He was last year. He was just cutting a tree, climbing up in it, helping his dad and the limb broke. He fell like 15 feet. Oh, yeah. Bruised all of his ribs. He was all jacked up. And, you know, I mean, 
<laughs> no, I, I, I can't tell you. If you wear a harness, you know, I guess. I mean, they make safety stuff for that, too. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing is they make the harnesses for setting stands and trimming that have the pockets. In my case, I use an old saddle. If yeah. I'm hanging a stand, I'm wearing the saddle while I'm in it because I've got a linesman belt and I've got everything else I need. I can at least secure myself and catch myself on a limb going down or a step or whatever, and it keeps me close. It's not a deadfall. So there are a lot of options. You know, you now, there isn't really, there isn't, I haven't figured out a good, like, safe way for hanging, putting up ladder stands, you know. Cause it's not um, like you can, yeah i don't think there is a safe way you know <laughs> just teeter it over and hope it sits well, well that's uh, actually there is because they came up remember uh tree stand buddy that's they right. have uh they that's have like a, a winch system um, they have a winch system which actually it goes from tree stand to tree stand but what it does is it locks on to the back of the ladder stand and then from the ground you close this like it's like a grapple kind of thing and you close oh. the grapple around the tree you get up there, you tie it all in, and then you take it off of the tree stand, and then you can move it on to the next one. It's actually pretty ingenious. So you just take it, snap it up, and then from the bottom, you wind it up, and the grappling goes around the tree. And now it's locked in the tree, and it's the safest way that there is. I mean, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool, actually. It's a, it's a really cool system, and it's, and it's safe, and it's effective. You know what I'm saying? I remember – Matt, same thing, man. We'd go and – I did a lot of hunting with him. We lived together. So we're on his property and we're setting up a ladder tree stand and we didn't have it on the right angle. And the thing just come tumbling down and he come right down. He was right in my lap, you know, like just not setting it up. Right. We didn't know, man, we were kids. We didn't really know what the heck we thought we were. I, I don't even know. We thought we were Paul Bunyan. We didn't care. We did whatever we needed to do, you know, and it's, but you have to be very precautious when you're, when you're dealing with anything in the air, man, especially, you know, you get deep back in there, bro, and it gets scary. That's one of the things I really love about saddle hunting is because you're constantly, from the minute your feet leave the ground to the minute that they return back on the ground, you are 100% locked into the tree. No questions asked. And, I mean, it just puts you in that safety realm the whole entire time because being one of those guys that never wore a harness, now it forces you to wear a harness. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty pretty good about wearing my harness now. I can only imagine, right? Like <laughs> in your case, I'd be wearing it to crawl into my truck. Hell, I wore it last year when I hunted on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? Just strap yourself to the tree strap so that you wouldn't go to yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crown acres and fuck it. Yeah, that's that's one time that sitting in a, a seat in a ground blind and falling over could potentially ruin you. <laughs> it's not just a drunk video; it could literally ruin you. Ugh. I couldn't yeah. imagine going through what you went through mentally, like having to deal with such a, a scary thing, like not only physically, but mentally how that something oh, like that can really well, tear you up, man. Yeah. That's yeah the thing it is it you changed hit, me. You yeah. hit the ground, you know, what goes through your head? You know, is it the, did this just happen? You know, is it real? Did, did this just happen to me? You know, what, yeah. what went I mean, through it, it? It was just, it was all surreal kind of, you know, I like, you didn't, didn't, dawn on me you know now thinking back on it it's like jesus yeah that was you know that's when it really it's really affected me mentally you know like the months afterwards you know you start thinking about well jesus i can yeah you know, i spent my 30th birthday you know walking with a cane wearing a diaper you know 
I mean, well, I was Trev last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean that that shit changes you. I don't oh, care who you are. You, you know, I when you that. can't even do the basic, you know, things you used to just normally do, that shit really, really fucks with you. You know, and that's why you know I've made a lot of big changes in my life. Of you know, I've lost a ton of weight. You know, I can. I'm walking three miles a day, you know, running and jogging, you know, that's, if I, you know, the doctors probably, they would say, y'all, you'll never do that again. And, you know, stuff like that, you can do it. You just gotta, you gotta really put your mind to it, you know, and, you know, working out and getting in shape, that's, that's a good way to, you know, deal with the trauma from that. And, you know, some therapy has helped, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and that's you think, that's a big thing about it though. Is you said that it was five days and you were on your feet. You know what I see a lot happening with people who are wounded. You know, with some of the different background and things I've got to see is, you know, the guys who sit in the bed and wallow and pity and oh, I'll never do that again. You know, they accept it and they never do. And the guys yeah. who go watch me, tell me I can't. Those are the guys that you look at them. Three months later, and you're doing it again. You're back at work. You're living. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wasn't going to, I didn't want, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to let, you know, that take my life from me, basically. You know, I got the wife and kids. They depend on me. I got to get back to work. That type of thing, you know. There's so much, I mean, yeah, I could probably be on disability and not have to work, but, I mean, that's, what the hell is that? You yeah, know? that's no way to live. No, no, that's, you know, that's not the way I want to live. I, I got a good, another 30 years in me at working at least. And I'm going to get there. There you go, man. Sometimes 30, there's external years motivation of, that that's all you need. And 30 years of good haunting too. Yeah. Hopefully. has <laughs> <laughs> been shit lately. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you can't Why, what's going on with the, the season? <laughs> Nothing. I just, I don't know. I just can't get on any deer this year. It's uh, it's been slow, you know. I've seen, well, I think maybe two deer so far this year. It's just been, I don't know. I think it's weather, you know, transition time of year type of thing. I think overall, man, a lot of people are in the same boat that you are. Honestly, I'm my, me myself, um, because like with everything going on, I, everyone. So, for example, I talked to the uh, good buddy of mine today, and the biologist comes through his shop all the time, taxidermist. And he was saying last year at this time in Connecticut, there was over 1,200 tags punched. There's less than 500. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got some buddies that are getting on some deer, and they they put some nice bucks down already. Mm-hmm. You know, the the one guy, he shot a real nice eight-point. Um, Bill Van Alstyne, he shot a real good one, um, I think, two or three nights ago now. And – you know, I guess if you're just right place, right time, or, I mean, if you really have one pattern and you, you did your homework, I mean, you can get on them, but I'm just, I'm not seeing it right now. And I, I can't figure it out. I, you would imagine giant clover fields and stuff like that. They'd be hammering it right now. Well, I, I think what we need right now is a massive cold spike. I mean, it's just this warm, muggy, rainy weather we've had coming through the East coast the last couple, we'll say two weeks at this, the point this airs. 
you know, it's just it's not been conducive for the deer movement up here in the mountains in these thick trees and big woods. And then going back to comparisons from last year, I really don't think we can compare last year's numbers to anything because how many people were stuck at home with Rona? Well, that's another thing. So this year, people are, their butts are back in chairs, they're working. So I really don't yeah. think we can compare anything there. Do you have like a crazy bumper crop by you also, Kevin? Of uh, acorns? I, I don't, yes and no. I mean, we had, we had some, some moth or something come through here over the summer that really hammered the leaves on our oak trees and stuff like that. So it's like uh, kind of hit or miss. If you find them and you can be on them, I guess they're probably hitting them right now. Steve, are you seeing a big crop of acorns? Oh, yeah. When uh, yeah. I was actually shocked, that oak flat I told you I was going into opening mm -hmm. day, I hadn't even got into the oak flat, and there were piles of fresh acorns mm -hmm. that had, they were hitting and bouncing and going 10 feet out of the oak flat. I mean, they're everywhere right now. I was shocked. So we kept just like you, we had the, the gypsy moth also attack our trees the past two years, three years. And finally we were able to get a very good fruit from the trees. Um, I was nervous for a couple of years that we weren't going to have any type of acorn crop. Like we thought we were done. All of our oaks were done, but it ended up turning around. And this year is probably the most acorns I've ever seen. And them deer, like I run some of the farms that I hunt and like walk, try to watch for deer. I'm not seeing deer in any cornfield, any clover field, any anything. They're just yep. not in the fields. They're, They're all stacked in the woods. And it's like, if you're not on that right acorn tree, white oak, you ain't killing a deer. Like it just, I'm not seeing the deer that I normally would see neither. I mean, you're not in the only boat, man. Like I think the cool thing about it is if you're in some type of oak flat come the middle to end of October and then bucks are out searching. As long as you're in an oak flat, they're going to come looking for them does and you're hopefully going to be in the right spot. You know, I mean, that's my thoughts on it. Not that it, not that I know anything about killing deer, but just something what I've seen, you know, Yeah. sometimes you wonder <laughs> yeah, it's hard because right. I can't, I can't even judge off last year because my last year was so different because I hunted from the ground. So it really kind of limited me. On at least well you know how i was doing it i wasn't trying to go you know crazy go miles deep or anything like that like i said i could only walk a couple hundred yards before i'd take a break so you know i can't even go off last year so <laughs> so what were you doing like with hunting on the ground were like you in ground blinds or you yeah. making your own natural blinds yeah, like what yeah. were you i tried tried a little combination of everything even when we went to ohio i i got real creative and bought some burlap and i set up like pre-set up like a little homemade blind i'd just take my fold up camping chair and pile the brush in front of me and there's that <laughs> that's crazy did you see a lot of movement from the ground um the well i mean in ohio i got lucky and i shot a doe on our way in we had a long walk and um, on our way in i got lucky and i shot a doe and then later that night because in ohio we were on private so we could we could put corn out. We had corn out. Uh, I had a decent little two-year-old come in, and I blew that shot, hit him high. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, I was able to see some movement. Even when I came back from Ohio, I had a ground line set up on a cornfield that got cut, and that was – I had an amazing morning there. I had two bucks fighting all around me. 
and it was just too dark. I couldn't see anything. That sucked, but it was still cool. You know, I was in the mix. That's nuts, man. I, like, cause we all, especially being tree stand hunters, probably like yourself, like we always want to be in the tree, always want to be in the tree. Like you never, never crosses your mind to want to sit on the ground and try and ground hunt. Like I have some friends that that's all they do, but like for you being an aerial hunter and then going to hunt on the ground, it's probably was like a tough thing for you to like kind of adjust yourself. Yeah, it was, it was a big adjustment, you know? And now, I mean, like I said, though, I mean, you get creative, you can, you can make it work. You just gotta, you gotta really pay attention to your movement, you know, being on the ground. It's, it, it does make it a lot, a little bit harder or a lot harder or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, you know, take my burlap and go make some, you know, wing ding, throw together shit, sit behind spot and you can make it work. You know, people like are you're, when you're a young kid, just having yeah. fun in the woods, yeah. right? Just go out and make a fort basically. And you know, you get lucky. I mean, you see THP guys do it, you know, there's a ton of people that i see yeah. that do it i just can i can't get myself to do it because i feel like <laughs> i feel like it doesn't like i don't know because being always being aerial like you're just like why would That's i still so on the boring. ground i'll just get up in the air yeah i mean well for a couple of years even really you know i mean i hunted on the ground because mm-hmm. it just you know if you don't have tree stands you know you don't have an option <laughs> right you can go out and pre-make your spots and you make it work that's nuts, man. So what's kind of like your goal for this season now that, you know, you've been through one season on the ground, uh, kind of getting your wits about you and so on and so forth. Like, what do you, what do you got going on for this season? Well, I mean, I've sent you some pictures of some of the mm-hmm. bucks running around here. They're all small. You know, yeah. I'll vouch for it. They're all small. We've, we've <laughs> got a couple real good bucks on camera. And like I said, that one last night, daylight in the food plot, you know, that that's the first time he's been daylight there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, there's good potential. You know, my goal this year is shoot something Pope and young, you know, or close, you know, just a good buck. You know, awesome. Um, I'm not really big into gun hunting, but you know, if I, if I get it with a gun, I don't care. You know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> especially, especially after what all that you've been through, man. And that's, it can't be easy at all. You know, just to, I bet you just want to shoot one out of a tree stand. Yeah, I am. I, you know, I'm kind of itching to, I took some practice shots out of a tree stand and mm-hmm. the first time I drew back and I kind of, you know, got buried into my sight and everything. I was like, why am I so shaky? You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're fine. Kind of, it's just the target. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, man. But that that's, that's a pretty big situation to just get up there and overcome. You know, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it would bother me. And then, like I said, I was just taking a couple practice shots at my parents' house, and I was like, oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> this is this is affecting me. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... You know, so now I got... You know, I have bad target panic anyways. So I switched. I, I can't shoot a wrist strap or, you know... Yep, I'll, I'll I'm, punch. I'm with I can you. punch through. You name it, I can make it. Yeah, I can send a shot up into the dingweeds you know real good. <laughs> i've got you know bad target panic i've got bad flinch i still do you know i shoot a, a handheld thumb button release you know but i mean i just i'm really looking forward to making a good shot 
That's awesome. Putting something on the ground. I'll feel really good when I get something, you know. It's going to happen, man. I believe in it. Yeah, you deserve oh, it, yeah. honestly. It's, it'll, it'll happen. A lot of season left. <laughs> do, do you what, – what is some type of advice that you can give – you know, the fellow hunters out there that are going to listen to this about, you know, this upcoming season and safety. Well, I mean, it's, we've all, we've covered it already, you know, just wear your harness for at least, you know, wear a harness, get strapped in. I mean, I get it. The, the safety harness, the, the tethers that go all the way to the top of the bottom, it's not cheap. You know, that's the problem in my opinion with some of this stuff, you know, I mean, the price point, if you think about it, you know, you go put, that setup on every single one of your stands if you've got you know 10 15 stands that's not cheap you know so mm-hmm. just you know try and be safe make good calls don't don't if you don't feel right if you don't feel safe get down you know don't trust your gut because that's you know i didn't my gut was telling me to get out of there and i did not listen to it you know just uh yeah take your time climbing try and be safe don't get hurt have fun you know remember you got if you got family you know they depend on you you gotta you gotta think about it even though you know this is something we do for fun we still have to be mindful mm-hmm. of safety you know and that's safety when support. that's when people will get hurt you know at work yeah we're all great about wearing our safety glasses and following all the rules you know because somebody's right there over your shoulder but, you know, when you're at home, you know, weed eating without safety glasses on, you take a rock to the eye. Yeah, Every time. You know? <laughs> Every yeah, time. I mean, yeah. And then yep. you think about, oh, duh, I should wear my safety glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, safety is important, even when we're not at work, you know. Be Absolutely. safe. Be smart. Have fun. You know. Just Always can hunt another day. Yes. Live on another day. Yes. And if you do get, if you are in that situation, if you are hurt, you know, if you fall just, and you can get to your phone, don't move, make the phone call, let people come and, you know, do the right things to, to protect you, you know, in case you are really fucking broken. (laughs) Cause you can make it 10 times worse. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. You turn once and that's guaranteed paralyzed. I mean, you just never know. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, I didn't, Nobody knew. Nobody knew the extent of my injury. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. Nobody told me. <laughs> I thought I was fucked. <laughs> You're just fine, buddy. He's all screwed up. <laughs> he's a mess. He's never going to walk again. No, he's never going to walk again. Oh, man. That's nuts. We don't man. have to worry about coming to get this guy out of the woods again. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never be here. Oh, man. Well, you know, I want to bring back one question I, don't, I haven't really asked in a while, man, and that is, um, what would you change about the industry if you could change one thing? Um, you hear, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've listened mm-hmm. to your guys a lot. You know, I'm a big consumer of the media, and I hear this question, and I love a lot of the answers, and I guess mine is pretty much the same as, you know, a lot of people's is the competitive thing, the the – the deer bashing, you know, that stuff is just, you know, leave your ego at home. This is, you know, we're, we're doing this for you know, enjoyment, put food on the table, you know, do our stewardship of land type thing. I mean, if somebody shoots something, takes it legally and tags it and everything, you know, good for them. 
And if they shoot a big one, even better. You know, good for you. We should lift people up. You know, we don't need to bring people down. We need to lift each other up. That's, you know, that's my big thing. I'm trying to make sure I'm diligent about congratulating people on everything. You know, you'll see it on social media. I, I congratulate everybody. Good for them. I'm happy for them. That's great. That's, you know, that's what we're all trying to do is be successful, have fun, you know, just the competitiveness of it, the, the bashing online and the, you know, some of it is fun, you know, some of it is for fun, you know? Right. I, it's just so important to just say, just say, nice job. Congratulations. If you don't yeah. like something, then move on. Like it could, it takes you two seconds to say, well done. Congratulations. And it takes, it's going to take up the next couple of hours when you get in an argument for saying something that you shouldn't have said. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. honestly, and it's, and, yeah, it's, and it's pointless. It's pointless. I, my thing with it now is like this. And I see it like everybody's kind of doing their due diligence and congratulating people. And there hasn't been all that much. Like things are really starting to look up. You know, you see very little bashing of other people, but the guys that shoot like a smaller deer and they'll say, it's not the biggest one, but but I shot it anyways. And it's like, bro, you didn't even have to say that. Just say yeah. I had a great time in the woods. I shot, I shot one. I'm so happy for myself. Like who cares? Like if you want to shoot that, like you don't have to justify to anybody your trophy. Like it's your trophy. Right. I mean, like that's yeah. one thing that drives me nuts lately is like, yeah, you know, that's why they do it because they, you know, they feel like they have to <sighs> and you don't, <laughs> it's your you tag. Don't have to. Who cares? <laughs> Spend it wisely. <laughs> You pay, you pay for it. It's your tag. Like you just said, man. Oh, yeah. We got that one off. spike rolling around. He's, you know, and the season comes around. He's going to be looking real good. That's right. Good eating. <laughs> I got one little fork horn that keeps blowing me out every time I go in the woods. It drives me nuts, man. He catches me. I don't care if it's noon, two o'clock. It doesn't matter. When every time I go in there, he blows me out. And I'm like, you freaking little bastard. I'm going to get you. I'm going to shoot him. If he comes in, if he comes in next week when I'm hunting, he's getting it. I don't really care. He's getting it. I'm going to give it to him. He wants it. <laughs> Fuck, little bastard, man. Pisses me off, bro. Well, Kev, the last and final question is what drives you outdoors? What drives me outdoors? Um, Lately, it's, you know, um, kind of like keeping me sane type thing, you know, take that break, just unplug for a little while. Um, you know, when I was younger, you know, it was, you know, we're all younger. We're all about the kill and all that stuff and being successful. And I mean, the older I get, you know, it's not even about the kill sometimes. It's just about enjoying the moment, you know, seeing the world come to life, that type of stuff. And uh, now my boys are getting older. I can't wait to just pass it on with them, share that tradition. My oldest boy, I love shooting with him. I got him into indoor archery and stuff like that, and I have a blast. I I become overbearing and you know try you're, to coach you're too that much. Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a good I'm dad to be. Your son's the well, quarterback. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> Football was not his thing. No, not no, no. I'm boy. saying. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, like you're you're the coach and your son is this the the quarterback the kind of thing. Yeah, he's the star. Yeah, when it comes <laughs> to archery, yep, he's my star. Awesome man. <laughs> he tied for first in his indoor league tournament with a kid that was a lot older than him. 
That's oh, sweet. Yeah. That's there's, how old is he? Something to it. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll make you proud. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That's where it all starts. What did he shoot? He shot like a. I can't even remember now. Like a one ninety two or something. He tied tied exactly with the kid. Same. They both shot one X. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, what more could you ask for, right? Yeah. It's what just, do they have him shoot at, though? Like how far? Um, he shot that one from ten yards, I think it was. That's so but, cool. But during indoor league, I got him. You know, hey, you know, you can shoot further back. You're you're getting strong enough. I had him shooting at fifteen. I've seen him launch arrows at a target 30 yards away, you know, shoot, man. If you think you can make it shoot, that's the only way you're going to get better is just trying, yep. you know, mm-hmm. focus, focus on that pin. Trust it. Just let her rip. <laughs> you bet. You know, man. We I, tell all of our buddies. Yeah. You know, nobody, <laughs> let her nobody, rip. Told me that. nobody told me that when I was a kid, you know, no, no, no. You got to shoot from here. You know, no, you want to take a shot, take a shot. You want to shoot back here from where I'm shooting? Go ahead, try it. It's just narrow. You yeah. know, they make ones every day. I'll buy you more. If it means you're going to be shooting, have at it. Well, that's the, I mean, what's the worst that happens? He has to search for an arrow. Welcome to the club. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. We yep. do that at 30. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had him with me. I was trying to sight in because I switched over to like target setup and stuff during 3D. And uh, I was trying to sight in. I broke an arrow and he got up there and he's giving me shit about him. You know what? <laughs> all right. All right. You know. Yeah. Your day's coming, <laughs> bud. Done. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll happen to you too. You can shoot at 20 at the next one and then I'll laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Kevin. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with him. Where can everybody find you? Um, Facebook, Instagram. You know, um, I am working on something that's going to happen this spring. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired of going to an archery shop around here. There's not a lot of close, good archery shops. So, you know, we all need good arrows. Nobody around here is really building good, precise arrows. I mean, yeah, you can drive an hour, you know, but I want something a little bit more tailor-made. You can put an order in and get exactly what you want. So, I like that it. That will be happening this spring. So, yeah. Hmm. We'll have to be in touch. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're talking hear about this. You're, this you're talking up my alley. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I, love, I love tinkering and stuff like that. I got into fletching arrows and, you know, it's just, I'm real anal about certain things. So it kind of suits my nature. Dark rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. You learn one thing and then the next. And next thing you know, it's like, wow. I'm too grand into this for six arrows. <laughs> so, yeah. Just don't tell the wife. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You like light or heavy? Um, it, I think each situation, you know, calls for Good you know, what you want type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you could run a six, 700 grain arrow and shoot deer with it and, you know, all that jazz. That's great. But I want to be able to shoot one at 60 yards if i have the chance yeah because mm-hmm. you know i practice a lot and i feel confident i shot one at 72 last year yep. you know and if my setup is cohesive to that then that's what i'm gonna run and if i feel lethal then it's like that that video uh what i'll put out that was great you know that was 
that was probably the best I've seen I've seen in a long time. He's such a good role model and uh, ambassador for us. You know the way he he says things. You know, shoot what what you feel you know confident with, what you like. It don't doesn't have to be Doctor Ashby arrows. Yep. So true. Yeah. So true. Because you, you like the Zeus. I've never shot a fixed blade in my life. I've never shot one. Not always one. mechanical. Always shot mechanical. Yep. You know, into each story. So, so try <laughs> yeah. the Zeus. It's in between. I was the same way. <laughs> I had only shot mechanical broadheads forever. And yeah. then that thing came out and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Try I mean, both. it's mechanical and. Yeah, give fixed. it a try. I mean, just like yeah. anything else, just like an arrow, you know? I shot G5s for years and years, and then I shot some Rages, and I threw them in the trash. And then yeah. I started shooting other things, and then I landed on Zeus, and here we mm -hmm. are. You know, you yeah, just yeah. find I what you like. To, I switched to, uh, I was shot Rage for a long time, and then, you know, I $60 for three of them. I mean, that's that's a little steep. So then, you know, I switched And you can't replace them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. They're one pump chunks. I switched, I switched to Sever, and I mean, I've I've had any issues with them. Mm -hmm. I've had some some good luck. They've performed, you know, good for me. I'm happy okay. with them, so that's what I run. I switched to one twenty fives this year, so my arrow setup is a little bit heavier. Nice. Um, I think I'm a little bit a little bit over five hundred grains an arrow. I can't remember. I'm shooting FMJs with uh, one twenty five grain broadheads. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right yeah. about where You're I run. Heavier? Yeah, you know, and I haven't. I mean, geez, I sh I shot a doe a couple years ago, hit a limb, and I ended up hitting her in like the the neck, basically, like right in here, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I put her right down. I mean, it's not an ideal. I had to go down to finish her off, but I mean, it still worked. It yep. <laughs> happens. You, you still know, eat it. I was happy with it. Yeah. I had to pull the broadhead out of her spine with a pair of channel locks that was buried in there. So, I mean, I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty impressed. I was like, okay. I mean, these things are pretty lethal. That buck I shot a couple years ago, great blood trail. I haven't had any problems with them. So, well, you know, we look forward to seeing where, that, it, uh, where you go with that. We're, we're definitely going to be in touch. That, yeah, that, that will, sounds like a fun endeavor. Uh, yeah, you guys will see something about it. I'm going to. Get an arrow saw and take the plunge, basically. I mean, I work sure. two to ten, so I have, I have mornings. My kids are in school. I mean, nice man, churn them out. Yeah. Well, why not? Why not start a little business? We'll get you back on here when you're ready, to rock, and uh, we'll kick that thing off with you. That sounds great, guys. All right, brother. Well, again, thanks for joining us tonight. It's been a hell of a good conversation, and hopefully, a really good learning point for everyone listening. You know, this stuff does happen. Be yes. smart, use your head, use your safety gear. It's not there just as a sales gimmick. That's one thing I will say in the industry. Safety gear is not a sales gimmick. It's yeah. there for you, not to help you kill a deer. So use it. And if you don't have any or can't afford it, call us. Reach out. Talk to anyone. Somebody's got an extra laying around. We will get mm -hmm. it to you. So. Yeah. I mean, you buy a tree stand, they come with them. They come right. with them for a reason. Yep. Use them put them to work yep well i guess we'll go ahead and wrap that up on that note and uh until then guys thanks for listening thanks for taking the ride right here on the outdoor drive